Hello, I'm Matt Peterson. And I am Rich Trapier. And this is episode 45 of History on the Table. Got a wild one tonight, folks. Yeah, we, well, we, we both got lots of games played, and there's, for no, no surprise, but there's a lot of overlap in our games played. Yeah, not only did we play a lot of games, we played a lot of games together. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it really was. We also have we have some game company news. We have two games to review. We got all kinds of stuff going on. But what's what's new with you, Rich? I don't want to jump the gun. How are you? I'm good. Did some singing today. We've got a lot of singing hey. coming up. We are singing again next weekend. So yeah, it's good stuff. Um, yeah, we're actually singing at a, a big fundraiser gala next week, so that'll be fun. Very cool. Yeah. Good. All right. Let's get into it. I think where we should start is just announcing that the historical, oh my gosh, historical board game awards fan vote, those will go live shortly after the 28th of February. Bill and I are working hard on that. There are still, I think we're down to three ballots outstanding from judges. Uh, so we're close to being done. And I think everything is more or less automated at this point to just plug in and then we'll do a double check. Anyways, we will tweet out and maybe even do a little podcast plug for it. But that'll just be over Google Forms and that will run through March, nice. I believe. It'll have a due date, whatever it is. Looking forward to seeing. Yeah, it was interesting. I did my ballot and, and my first thought was, man, I should have played more actual 2023 games, but... You know how it is. There's when we do our end of the year thing, it's like new to us. But right. obviously for for this, new to us isn't isn't good enough. So it had to be an actual 2023 game. Just as 2022. 2022. Yeah, yeah. That would be harder. <laughs> I first off, let me real quick as a quick aside say thanks to Ardwolf for having me on his show with Harold Buchanan to talk about just historical game award things. And I mentioned this there. I think this year will be a lot easier because now I have a full year of having it in my mind. You sure. know, this this idea came to us last fall and we, we put the pieces together and there just wasn't as much build-up time. I've been working my pants off to play the 2022 games I wanted to play. Um, but now I know and now I'm keeping an eye out like, oh, that's a 2023 game that I think I'm really going to like. That's going to take some priority. So now we have 12 months instead of a much abbreviated period. Did you have, did you struggle with, with your ballot at all? Uh, a little bit, especially on, I think the small game one, um, sure. there was really only one that kind of stood out for me. And, um, mostly it's just because I couldn't think of any other small games. So it, and, and the one I think was deserving of the spot I gave it, the number one spot, it was good. But the, I think that one, I only put one on the ballot. There's been a few games, and I don't I don't want to spoil anything, and we've both intentionally, Bill and I, have intentionally not spent too much time looking at results until the deadline's passed. Um, but just in coming up with formulas and kind of cleaning up everyone's results. So if everyone votes for um, U.S. Civil War, we're making the names uniform, so they all say U.S. Civil War instead of USCW, obviously. Yes, mm -hmm. we're not eligible, but you get the idea. Correct. There's been a couple games that I had never even heard of, which has been interesting. And I'm like, why is no one talking about this game? Because they look pretty interesting. Other than that, it's kind of a little bit as, I wouldn't say as expected, but I'm not terribly surprised by the front runners. But all of that will be revealed in just, just a few days. So 
Okay, we had another competition that was a little more fun. Well, no, this is fun too, but it was just as fun. Uh, a little more loosey-goosey, I should say, and that was the Every War Game Ever fan vote. So Rich and I have our list of Every War Game Ever. We took that list and we put it in a bracket and we ran that through our Discord. And every day there was one or two votes to vote between two games and the winner advanced and the loser was knocked out. It, it was March Madness a month early. Uh, and that is done. It is. And we... We and, have a 2023 and what winner. what game, do people agree with me, is the best game of all time, Matt? Uh, the Pacific War. That's right. GMT Games. Justification. I picked that as my <laughs> overall winner yeah. just because... And I also had U.S. Civil War going down way earlier. U.S. Civil War made it to the semifinals. U.S. Civil War finished eighth last year, so I was yeah. pleasantly surprised by that. And we did prediction brackets, and congratulations to Justin B. He won a gift card to Noble Knight as the overall winner with getting the most accurate uh, predictions. I had a lot of fun with it. It was fun. Yeah. It's funny, though. I mean, there's probably a little bit of Cult of the New in it. Pacific War is is definitely the hotness right now. But um, sure. it's funny with the U.S. Civil War, that, that one needs to come back to my table soon because I don't think I played it at all last year, and... Usually I play that at least usually once a year for that game. So, so that one's going to have to come back to my table. Pacific War will as well, but I think U.S. Civil War will be one of the next games I put down. Oh, I love to hear that. Yeah, yeah. There was I think we mentioned it last episode. There was the Men of Iron upset, mm-hmm. which was which is disappointing. No respect for that. What one last year? Do you remember? So last year we did a little bit different. We combined things and GCAC. W one oh, okay. last sure. year. So Yeah, and there was uh probably it was Getty one of the G C I think it was Gettysburg, one of the G C A C W games I know was in the Final Four. Exactly. Roads to Gettysburg too. So the Final Four were Pacific War against US Civil War against Road to Gettysburg Roads to Gettysburg against um Empire of the Sun. Empire of the Sun. That was in there too, yeah. Yep. And then with Pacific War knocking off you know, Civil War and Roads to Gettysburg knocking off Empire of the Sun. Yeah. yeah here, I, I pulled up the results real quick. So last year, GCCW got first. OCS was second. Empire of the Sun was third. Uh, Next War was fourth. DNB and Fu was fifth. Yeah. All good games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's we have a top-heavy list for sure. So what's next? Every series ever? No. Here's the deal. <laughs> I lost almost all interest in that when <laughs> people started arguing over what a series was. Like well, we mean, have didn't, 94... didn't that start from an argument over what a series was though? Well, no, that was a joke with whether ASL was or not. Yeah. And then we booted all. So then I made the mistake of asking for input. And then it turned into like, if a company is calling something a series, is that not enough for it to be a series? <laughs> if they're like, even if there's only a little bit of stuff for it. And then, and then, and I mean, no shame, people have their opinions, but the argument that coin is in a series is when I said, I'm not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to do it yourselves. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like there's 96, t- I don't remember what we got up to, 96 series entries. Yeah, it was and, pretty crazy. Like, let's be realistic, past the top 32, they probably don't matter. <laughs> And uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I, GCACW would probably win. I don't know. There's my prediction. But, yeah, I'm not messing with it. If someone else wants to, eh, go for it. Probably that or OCS. Those are one of those yep. two. Yeah. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. There was, it was kind of cool to, like, drum up some, like, to really round out the list to, like, really drag the list of yeah. <laughs> series because there's some wacky stuff out there. Yeah. 
All right. So that and was that. Fi- and coming okay. up with names of series that kind yeah. of are series, but don't really have a name to them. So. Yeah, you may know this now, but I did not know before. Do you know the name for the uh, like downtown series? Uh, I think I saw someone. Was it just called like Downtown Air or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's how GMT lists it. Okay. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And then there's there's also the struggle of um, a greater victory just came out right. Or yeah. They had the Kickstarter for the second printing of it. Hey guys, it's Matt chiming in doing Patrick the Office administrator's work. I meant a most fearful sacrifice second edition from Flying Pig Games. That is technically a series, but there's only one game in it. And so yeah. that's called Black Swan, which is interesting. I don't know yeah. where that comes from. But... Well, isn't Atlantic Chase, isn't that volume one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> so same thing. Anyways, who knew that the What is a War Game series would be as polarizing <laughs> and as pointless as What is a War Game? <laughs> All right, let's get on track. Let's talk about games. We've got a lot to talk about. Yeah. My shelves... I'm going under like a massive purge to make sure everything fits on a shelf. Yeah. Um, so I did not add anything while I'm on because that seems really counterproductive Good to what I'm doing. Well, I tried. And you purged. I started but a you purge. Have... Yeah, I sold off a few games, which was good because, you know, same thing. I was I was trying to create some shelf space as well as I'm trying to save up money because I want to go to New Zealand next year. So wow. um, I ended up selling a few and then, and then Bruce put up some games that I couldn't couldn't deny couldn't couldn't avoid taking so i picked up actually the entire last hundred cart yards collection from him all three volumes plus the uh the scenario pack so i figure i'm still coming out ahead i've got more shelf space and fewer games than i started with but those were good ones it's funny when i sold last hundred yards i remember not long after thinking this is going to be the first game ever that I buy back after I sold. And, <laughs> I think you've said that. And that is the case. This is the first time I've ever bought a game that I sold. And not only that, but I bought volumes two and three in the, the battle pack as well. So I, I regret nothing. Solomon Islands is, is so good when you awesome. dive into it. Nice. How he's handled the Japanese is brilliant. Yeah. I was having a conversation with some guys playing uh, Panzer Grenadier mm-hmm. the other night. And Art asked the about last one, hundred yards, um, the one from Avalanche Press. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. The my my summaries. We've talked about this before. Is just last hundred yards is tackling tactical in a way that other series aren't. Yeah, e- e- there's big differences between ATS and ASL, but they're essentially doing the same thing. Mike Denson has just made other things relevant and important in that series that really breathes some some new life into, into tactical especially not that asl or ats were dead in any sense of the word there's still plenty of people playing them but it's something different it's not an asl clone it's not an ats clone it's not you know band of brothers is very much in that lineage and it last hundred yards is very different yeah yeah so like i said i regret nothing i'm, I'm gonna keep <laughs> selling off some more games but i'm glad to have last hundred yards back in the collection Awesome. All right. What about reading? I, I see a theme here. I know. Yeah. And I think this, this theme may come back to life when we uh, get to our, our games that we want to play next month. But um, actually, so I I've started and finished because it wasn't a very long book, um, a pretty interesting book called Legion versus Phalanx by Mike Cole. Have you read that one? No, but I've, I've heard it talked about before. Yeah, I so think it's, on Chance of Games. It's really lightweight. Um, it's, um, 
it's honestly, it's, it's like a, a battle study or it's like, I think six battles in the book. And I think every single one of them is in SPQR. So I kind of want to play SPQR cause I want to play these particular battles, but it's, I think it's six battles and every single one of them was the Greek phalanxes versus the Roman legions. And it just goes over the course of, you know, I don't know, 50 or 75 or hundred years, something like that, whatever. Um, where they go over these battles and, and sort of the premise of the book is that the Legion won out because early on the phalanxes were just kicking the crap out of the legions, but the legions were more flexible by design and also maybe culturally, culturally as well. So ultimately the legions were able to adapt not only to different battlefield conditions, but just over time. And the, and the phalanx was never able to adapt and that's why the Legion ultimately won out. So it was a pretty good book. It was, like I said, it was lightweight. It wasn't very long, but it was interesting. Nice. And then that just kind of got me on an agent's kick. So um, I'm reading the, 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 the Caesar biography by Adrian Goldsworthy. It's called Caesar life of a Colossus. And it's pretty interesting. Um, a few things I hadn't heard before, but I've, I've read a, a decent amount on ancient Rome, especially the Roman Republic. So, um, and nothing groundbreaking so far. And it, he said, even at the beginning of the book, I'm only about maybe a third or a halfway through it. Um, but he said at the beginning of the book, this is not going to be about his military campaigns or anything. This is not a military history book. It's really more about him and the late Roman Republic and, you know, that type of thing. So, but it's, it's really good. It's, I mean, I've heard good things about it. I know he's a well-known author, and it's it's well-written, and it's entertaining. Yeah, you know, I picked up his and started his Fall of Carthage book when okay. I did my little cabin getaway thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I haven't gone back to it, which is a real shame, because I agree. It's, he is a very entertaining writer. Yeah. My one complaint with Adrian Goldsworthy is when you go to pick up one of his books— Mm-hmm. He changes titles from edition to edition. So the first oh, really? edition of Fall of Carthage is called The Punic Wars, mm -hmm. and then it's called The Fall of Carthage, and that's not his only book that does that. And so it's kind of like, oh, that one sounds interesting too, and then you come to find out it's the same book. And anyways, I yeah, I really like the little bit I read of that, more than I thought I would. Yeah. Yeah, I it, it's a it's a really long book, and my first thought was it was probably going to be dry, and it, it's not. It's entertaining. I mean, it talks about the personalities of the people. It talks about like all their sexual affairs, and I mean, it's all the scandals and everything. It's it's a good book. Nice. Well, speaking of things that you thought would be dry, that's kind of what I thought when I picked up the Franco-Prussian War, the German conquest of France in 1870, 1871 by Je either Jeffrey or Joffrey Wawro. Mm -hmm. W-A-W-R-O. One, I would never read this book if it was not for playing at any cost Mets. Uh, this is generally like 1800s Europe is not my favorite thing to read about. Yep. And this looks like when you go order it off Amazon, it kind of comes across as like a like a course book because you can rent it, which I haven't seen before. I rent it on my Kindle. Anyways. Oh, interesting way better than i thought it was going to be very readable very entertaining i'm actually not quite done with it um but i'm reading this one in paper i think that's the only way you can get it uh very good and i'm finding this particular year of history more interesting than i thought it would nice yeah sweet any other books no no not not a uh, historical we'll talk about another one later <laughs> sure 
Sure. All right, let's talk about games. So yeah. let's let's set the scene here. We were lucky enough to be able to get together with some buddies for a little lake getaway Absolutely. a couple weeks ago. And the game plan was to feature one main game a day. And so that's the order I put them on the list for us to go through. I, it makes the most sense to me. Uh, yeah, sure. Like the yeah, order I think we, we played, played John on. Company first, though, didn't we? Oh, we certainly did. Yeah. So let's start with John Company. <laughs> so I've talked about John Company. That was my runner-up last year behind Pacific War is my favorite game. We've It's a historical-themed game where you're controlling a family in the East India Trade Company, and you take on all these different positions in the company, and you try to put your family in the best position to eventually retire them and get victory points and uh, a whole bunch of negotiating. So I've talked about it. Everyone knows I like it. What about you, Rich? What did you think? Yeah, I loved it. It's a fantastic negotiation game. I mean, it's it's up there with Here I Stand, Twilight Struggle, um, trying to think of some other negotiation games. I mean, Pax Pamir, which is same designer, but a much smaller game, but along with those. John Company is kind of cool because you can play a shorter scenario that's probably going to go two, three, four hours, or you could play like the entire life of the company, which assuming the company doesn't fail, mm-hmm. which is a big, big assumption, it could be an all day game. So it's good. I liked it quite a bit. Yeah. Tons of fun and a great just product. Like it's very well produced oh, yeah. and highly recommended. Yeah. And there's a great teaching video but, out there as well. Yeah. Track and we'll talk about this in a minute, but I mean, as good as it was, it was the second best negotiation game of the weekend. So, I think I agree yeah. with you. The more I think <laughs> about it, yeah. All right, but before we get to that, let's talk about a game I know we've talked about wanting to play in the past before. A little revisit to Coin, and that's A Distant Plane. Had you played this before? I can't remember. Nope, this is one of the two or three that I have not played, so I was anxious to play that. Yeah, so this is <clears throat> early in, when you look at things now, early in the coin lineage but this is a coin entry covering uh afghanistan it's co-designed by vulcan Runke and brian train one player takes on the coalition forces one player takes on the um taliban the government and the last one is the warlords yeah uh and it's coin and it's coin coin it's literal counterinsurgency i love this this was very good yeah, it was fun. And and Coin, you know, I a few years ago I was just absolutely in love with Coin. Like up until the time that I think India came out, I owned every single one of the games cuz I loved them all. And well, actually I didn't own Distant Plane, and I didn't I think that's the only one I hadn't owned and then India and Abyss is the other one that I haven't played up until then. Um but yeah, for some reason I just sort of lost my interest in Coin, started moving on to other things, but it was nice to sit down and play this face to face because coin at the table face to face on paper really is a great experience. I mean, it's it's a fun game to play if everybody is involved. It um it's it's so much, you know, it's it's whack-a-mole, it's negotiation, it's trying to trying to find ways to screw somebody over so you can get that one extra victory point. Like the entire game, I'm just sitting there trying to convince you guys that I was nowhere near winning. And, you know, then I started making my move to the end and I started doing it, tried to do it quietly. So yeah, it's, it's fun. Yeah. And I felt like once things, once someone was started to position themselves to win, which was Mitch, Mitch made the first move, right? He, he pulled every, all the coalition forces off the coalition. Yeah. Yeah. And then things were very tense after that. Yeah. 
Which is funny because to do that, he has to basically get all those guys off the map, which right. can put him in a place to win, but also gives him no control over what we do anymore. Right, right. And then he's got to build, although him building back up isn't actually that, that difficulty. Yeah. It's not like it sets him back majorly. I don't know if this is my favorite coin. It is a little long, uh, but I think, gosh, it's got to be in my top three. And then yeah. it's a pretty big drop. Like, top three are, are coins I'll play and want to play on, like, regular basis. After those first top three coins, there's a big drop-off in my interest after that. Yeah. I like Fire in the Light the best. Um, I yeah, like Falling I Sky just because I think it's interesting going back to Asians, Ancients, and it was the first one I played. Um, I think all coin games, though, kind of drag at some point. You know, they they start off good and then toward the middle, they kind of drag and then you get into the end game where everything picks up again. But it is a long game. I mean, all of them, if you play the full, you know, four or five propagandas or whatever it was, we probably we probably went eight hours for this one, I'm guessing. Yeah, we took a lot of breaks and stuff, but yeah, we this was an all day affair on Friday. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, it was fun time with it. All right. Let's talk about the big one. Oh, yeah. And so this one we played, well, 14 hours. 14 hours. Because you won after like six hours, and we were having so much fun that we decided to pretend you didn't and keep going. <laughs> yeah. And then that, that you know, so we're talking about Republic of Rome, which is, it's set in the early Republic. Again, you're representing, you're not representing a family, you're representing a coalition of families. And so- you may have people die or, you know, go be a governor somewhere. And it's, it's this 250 year stretch. And so it's, it's kind of abstract in that sense, but basically you're negotiating nonstop with putting forward laws. You're, you know, voting on, on who is, um, voting people into offices. Yeah. What am, what am I, I can't think of the word. Who's consuls, in charge of the military. The, the field yes. Thank you. Consuls. Consul. Exactly. And so we wrapped up. I won and we're like, let's keep going. We're here. Let's do this. And it was a, it allowed me to like change my perspective and and play the game differently. This was, we talk about this, you know, these memorable game experiences. Our play of Republic of Rome will be, will always go down as one of the best gaming experiences I've ever had. Yeah. Like when we get to the end of the year and we're looking over the course of the year for the best gaming experience of the year, I'd be shocked if something tops that. I'd be shocked if anything tops this is my game of the year. Yeah. If I'm being completely honest. Yeah, yeah it was and great. For Historic Fest, I'm going to order Founding Fathers. So it's interesting. We um our our monthly gaming day next month for St. Louis Historical Gaming Society um, we ended up having to cancel it because Minish Market said we don't have space. But um, that was the fir- one of the first games someone recommended was Founding Fathers. And I was like, yes, I want to play that. <laughs> now, which Founding Fathers was it, though? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know there was more than one version. I just know there, that. There is. Okay. There's a Jason Matthews and Christian Leonard version. Very different. Oh, okay. Not, And that's like a... Uh, a multiplayer game that just plays in like two hours. Oh, okay. And and that's got a like a picture of a bust of one of the founding fathers. I don't remember who's on the front of it, but it's like a statue. Okay. The founding fathers. That's like Republic of Rome shows a bunch of the founding fathers like shaking hands. Interesting. I'll have to ask him that because I 
I knew that Founding Fathers was similar to Republic of Rome. I didn't know there was more than one version. Yep. Most of the time when people are talking about Founding Fathers, they're talking about the Jason Matthews game. Yeah. So, which may be good, but obviously not what we're looking for. Yeah. So Republic of Rome was, was phenomenal. There's, and I did want to, and Rex reminded me, he did saw, so we had two things going for us. He gave us a little more cash to start the game. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we had incredibly lucky draws to start the game. We had very few wars to start out. And so I think he, he mentioned that to like allow us to reevaluate our kind of like expectations of the game. Sure. But the more I think about it, the more like if things are tense, if you're really low in cash, or if you really have a bunch of pressing wars, so you like you have to go fight your wars. You can't let wars go unresolved. The Republic will fall and then, you know, you can have People can rebel and they can take their shot and win the game. Whatever. It's a, it's a fantastic game. But I think that just gets ramped up and make me enjoy the game more if the decisions are harder. Like if there's more pressure on every single player. Yeah. I think it's. So what did you like more? John Company or this? Oh, Republic of Rome. No doubt. Okay. Yeah. That would be yeah. one that I would like try and it's hard to be able to play a 14 hour game, but Republic of Rome would be one that anytime someone wanted to play and like, we're going to commit, even if it's going to be a two day weekend game or whatever, I would try to make that happen. Yes, I agree. And if we had, you know, six competent and willing, Mm -hmm. able-bodied players and someone said, then obviously this will change from year to year. Like if it's been five years since I played here, I stand or something like that. But if, if you had that weekend lined up and someone says, hey, we have six people and everyone knows how to play the game. We don't have to do a big teach or anything. Sure. Do you want to play Republic of Rome or do you want to play Here I Stand? Republic of Rome. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's a little bit of the like the new hot thing that's in our minds, I'm sure. But yeah, yeah. it was that. But I mean, memorable. I liked it so much that, you know, Twilight Imperium is one of my top, I don't know, f- definitely top five games of all time. Uh-huh. But Republic of Rome, I would... Mm, it's it's a tough decision which one i like more we're gonna have to dive into this one and i think you go fight wars so i think it qualifies for the list yeah it's gonna be high i mean we we both said we like it more than here i stand so that puts it in top 10 so far i do yeah yeah i want to play it with maybe a little less extra cash to start the game yeah six players would be more interesting too because like we talked about in our sort of post-mortem post-mortem of the game you know more votes spread around so that'd be good. Yeah. Makes well, it harder for one person to, to control the floor. Again, I'm getting a copy of Founding Fathers. I'm going, once that's in, and I dive in the rules and make sure it at least gets close to the Republic of Rome itch. So it's Republic of it's a spinoff of Republic of Rome covering the Founding Fathers of the United States. Yeah. So you'll start with George Washington as president, John as vice president, and you go from there. If it all looks good, I'm going to add it to the menu for Historic Fest options, and it plays up to six. So if you're coming to Historic Fest this August and you want to join, jump in it. Yeah. If Assuming I get it up. Nice. All right. We both have uh, a couple games we played on our own. Mm-hmm. I want to mention High Treason, just because we spent all of last January talking about these small form games, short games, whatever you want to call them. And this is right in that vein. It's not conflict based so much but it is from the old victory point games and it's high treason the trial of louis riel oh that's the one you had on the the table in the other room there that you were playing before we got there 
Yeah. Okay. So Rex and I played two games of this back to back. I, I, you know, I actually don't know what Rex thought of this game. I really liked it. You know, if if we kind of put it up in that list of the the small games we played, it's probably like second or third in those. Um, again, it's not a historical conflict. It's actually this trial. And one side's playing the defense, one side's playing... So play- it's not a historical trial, or, or it is? It is a historical trial. Okay, okay. It's not a it's not a war game. Got it's it. not a conflict okay. game. Um, one side's playing the prosecution. You're manipulating... So, like, each juror will have three background stouts, their language, their religion, their profession. And you kind of influence these gauges to make sure that all the Catholics sway to your side or all the Protestants sway to your side. And there's very distinct phases of the game and you try to influence certain jurors the most. And if you influence a juror, that jury, then when they go to deliberation, will influence other jurors, uh, plays pretty quick, especially I think once you know it, you probably knock this out in 30 minutes. Uh, I really liked it. That's high trees in the trial of Louis Riel. Nice. All right. You got one more. Yeah. So at our game day, which is, I think just last week i can't remember when it was we actually played uh plains indians wars which you played last year and i think i liked it more than you did um it was interesting we played four player my wife played with me so anytime she plays a game with me i'm probably always going to like it a little more um i as i was playing i hated the dice because like everything you did felt so fruitless and then like at the very end of the game all four of us, who this is like our first time playing, all four of us about at the same time realized that the two Plains Indians tribes and the settlers and the uh, Cav can combine dice. Right. And that makes a world of difference. Because like every time we had to attack, I was playing the, the Southern Plains Indians. Every time we had to attack a wagon, you get two dice and you have to roll two hits to... Uh, to kill the wagon and most of the time if you don't the wagon is going to move even further so like any space of the wagon all you're doing is helping your opponent but then when we realize that like literally the last turn we're like oh on four dice it's a whole lot easier to get two hits so made a big difference and i want to play it again knowing that rule overall like as i was playing it i was very frustrated with certain aspects of it but overall i thought it was basically a a fun little game so i don't like this game yeah i know (laughs) um i really like the birth of america series a whole lot more i think the battles are more fun yeah and that's what a game like this comes down to it's supposed to be this die chucker right you have all these cubes and they crash into each other and you see what happens the battles here can just end with any without any kind of real resolution and then that track of like the people going west not advancing can just be brutal yeah yeah like i said i there was a lot of times during the game that i was very frustrated with it it right. would have made a big difference if we had played that one rule correctly maybe not a big difference but a difference overall i thought it was it was a light sort basically easy to comprehend game for four people to sit around and play over the course of three hours nice so yeah all right sweet uh so we have more to go we're also gosh i didn't even mention we're talking about our most anticipated games of the year uh but so we're gonna skip the war game game tonight because we have two featured games two two of them so 
and we've talked about it. it's at any cost Mets in Fortress America. I figured we would just start with at any cost Mets. Sure. You ready to dive into it? Absolutely. I love this game. Yeah. Okay. So this is a 2018 release from GMT Games, uh, designed by Herman Letman, covering the as I mentioned earlier the Franco-Prussian War. Uh, and if we set the set the table real quick, this is this is not a conflict I know much about. I'm learning so much as I'm reading this book, but essentially is France kind of helped create a beast that they couldn't contain in the form of Prussia. Yeah. So and France declared war on Prussia, France thinking that they were the superpower in Europe. And, uh, I think Prussia won the war in what, like two weeks. <laughs> they were in, yeah, in Paris was, two weeks later. It was not very <laughs> long. And so this game covers two of the major battles of the Franco Prussian war. Um, as Rich said, you know, Prussia, Prussia had just got done stomping Austria and this was France's, I think, kind of attempt to be like, oh shit, what have we done? Um, and to kind of put Prussia in check. And so this covers two of those battles. Um, what's interesting from this like historical perspective. So this is obviously it's late 1800s you have some new military technology the french rifles you have the first machine gun which is represented in the game that's all awesome reading herman letman's design notes he made an interesting point i've never played a, um, a game on this topic if you look at this at any other level than than tactical or slightly above tactical whatever we're at prussia just rolls over france right, right. but he zooms in on the Battle of Mars Latour and the Battle of Saint. Not as easy to remember. I don't remember what it's called. The other battle covered in this in this game, that it becomes a lot more interesting because France did inflict a shit ton of casualties. They just had terrible leaders. Yeah, and they probably could have won. I don't know if should have is is the right phrase to use, but they had a fighting chance. So if you if you kind of change that up a little bit and you zoom in. It does, and I think he did successfully, make a very interesting game design in this otherwise total blowout historical period. Yeah. Any any other thing, Dad, uh, historically? Um, well, this, this comes into gameplay as well, but I think one of the really cool things about this battle historical historically is the French had excellent riflemen and the Prussians had excellent artillery, and there's... A, uh, an asynchronicity to that that they that plays out well in the game and is really mm-hmm. interesting yeah yeah and i guess uh backing up just a little bit so this is in the blind swords system mm-hmm. it is slightly different especially yeah. in combat resolution if, than if you've the... played all the civil war blind swords games you'll you'll recognize it but the crt is quite different and the, the, the playability of the command chits is different. So if you're yeah. unfamiliar with Blind Swords, Blind Swords is a chit draw game, meaning you have certain levels of command and you draw chits from a cup and that will tell you to either carry out a special event or activate this particular formation. In this game, typically you're activating cores. If you played the Civil War games, you typically roll a dice to see what kind of activation you're going to get like a full activation or or really a, a blunder i wish that was present in this game yeah. i missed it that's not here if you pull eighth core you're activating eighth core yeah but on this one you do you don't roll a die but you decide what uh mm-hmm. what posture your guy's going to take so you can be aggressive 
um, which is going to let you do more things like assault, or you can be defensive, which lets you move better, gives you a better command radius, lets you rebuild guys, stuff like that. So you do get to pick that, um, but you don't get to roll for any sort of activation. Yeah, and so you activate those guys. Um, this is you fire and then move, so you need to be within range, meaning it's potentially disastrous for you just to get into range. Um, the range here is shorter or like more... You need to be closer than in the Civil War games, just because I think the scale is different, right? So, yeah. so typically, especially for the Prussians, you need to be right next to them. And well, then artillery, definitely for for uh, rifle fire, right. for cannon fire. It depends on whether your Prussians are French, but the French are good for maybe four hexes, and the Prussians are six or something like that. So you have this, you have this fire phase, then you move, and then you can have an assault phase and, and try to, you know, overrun a hex and attack everyone adjacent into that. Of course, true to blind swords, there's going to be opportunity to counter fire. Uh, here it's if they move adjacent. Um, and then there's also opportunity to fire chits, like you can fire again by playing one of your special command chits you've drawn. And... One thing I'll, I'll touch on here, since I, I've kind of talked about it, is those special event chits. Maybe one lets you fire another artillery or or get a column shift. There, there's actually a good spread here. I like that there's a lot of diversity in the special command chits. They're double-sided. And so anytime you draw a special command chit in this game, depending on the scenario you're playing, you can commit that command chit to the scenario-specific uses. That may mean getting your commander-in-chief or having a... a a chance to get your commander-in-chief chit, which lets you activate any formation you want. That may mean speeding up the arrival of the very much-needed Prussian reinforcements. Uh, and I really like that. I like this kind of dual use. You can take it for the special event, or you can commit it to these scenario-specific things yep. for chances to do other things. I really like that. Yeah. And you get a fair number of them, uh, depending on the scenario and the time in the scenario. Most of the time, you're going to get five of those. So... You know, there's going to be a decent number of those random event shits that are going to come out. And then um, when you when you save them, basically, there's often a couple things you can save them for, but you can save like up to three for that sort of special thing. And every additional one you save gets you a better chance of getting that thing with a future die roll. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of just like other comparisons back to the and I just had one, but it, it completely escaped me, which is not useful to anyone. Um, let's talk about just combat resolution. The Civil War games use a D66 system, mm -hmm. and then you roll their subsequent rolls to see the effect on units. Yep. Here, you roll a colored dice, you roll a white dice, you roll it. The white dice is the result of, like, the morale test. So the firer is already rolling for the defender, which I'm never a fan of. Right. So and I just Yeah, when you do fire combat, you do it that right. way. Yep. Yeah, right. I yeah. don't I don't like the fire combat here quite as much as I do in the Civil War stuff. Yeah, I think it's just supposed to speed it up. I mean, you rolled both dice at the same time, and right. and the colored die, depending on where you are in the CRT, will basically... It'll basically change the number of the white die. So you rolled a five, but it becomes an eight or something like that. So if you're doing a morale test plus three. And right. then for assault combat, you only roll one die, and it affects both sides depending on where you roll on the table let's see what other i guess mechanics are present um yeah artillery fire rifle fire assaults yeah some of the chits do That's, cool things too and it, it's all yeah. modeling the specifics 
of the battle and the, the forces at that time. The Prussian guys were very aggressive, um, and the French can have a chit that forces the Prussians to be over-aggressive. You can pull chits that let you move the other guys around, like Matt said, give you you know extra fire combat, stuff like that. So um, there's there's lots of good, nasty things that you can do with the chits that make, make the game a lot of fun. There's a decent range of scenarios present. I played both the Mars Latour single day scenario mm-hmm. and then I re-racked and shifted to the Mars Latour campaign just for like the extended approach. I did not play the other campaign. Yeah. Um I did that one for the first time. I've owned this game basically since it came out. I've played it a bunch of times. That was the first time I played that scenario though, which was interesting. I mean, really all it is, it's just sort of a it's a what if on the day before the campaign the other campaign starts. And really, it would be boring as hell to play it two-player. I did it because I was playing solitaire, because Mm. it's really just bringing the French forces onto the map. The Prussians, the entire game, all they get is is one Cav Corps that's basically just trying to defend Marzotor. And they can do a good job with it, but the French are just slowly coming onto the map, trying to get everybody out of Mets. And it it would be super boring for one of the players if you played it two-player. I would recommend if you're playing against someone, just play that that second campaign scenario the one that starts on the next day nice i think there's a total of five six scenarios six with the one you just talked about yeah and some of them are relatively small where you're basically just trying to fight over one or two different towns you know, just bring your guys in and and just very typical war game scenario you're trying to move the forces up and gain some particular ground one thing I do want to talk about that's different here, or at least it's, it hasn't been in the Civil War games I played in Blind Series or Blind Swords, the victory conditions. So in most of the Civil War yeah. stuff, it's it's occupy and hold this hex, and every every turn you're occupying it, you're accumulating victory points. Here, the Prussians are just trying to eliminate French units. The French units have day by day victory conditions that they can usually select secretly. Yes. And that may be fight and kill the Prussians. That may be escape in this direction, escape mm-hmm. in this direction. I think that's fun. It's harder to do that solo, which all my right. plays were solo. Sure. Um, but I like this. The French can commit, and it maybe it's give battle where you're trying to con- you know, inflict Prussian losses. But you could do this faint, right? Like you could start to pull off the battlefield and then hope to catch, catch the Prussians off guard. Mm-hmm. Um, or just, you know, go right at them. And that kind of changes how in in the Mars Latour stuff, the French don't start with any activations. At the end of every turn, they're adding a core to the cup to see to add, like, okay, now you're activating two cores, three cores, then you're deciding that. And so your victory sat your victory conditions for that turn are obviously going to drive who you activate are you going to activate this one to get them off the map as soon as possible are you going to activate this one who's right by those calves at the start of the map so you can try to knock them off to pick up some victory points yeah yeah and the french have it i mean the prussians have a chit that lets you basically negate a future prussian activation or a french activation so you can even oh i see what you're trying to do well guess what he's not going to activate this turn Mm -hmm. you know he's not getting away from me (laughs) It's really fun. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I, th- I think it's interesting. I love the uh, the mitrailleuse, which is the very early machine gun, just because mm-hmm. it's such a cool historical oddity to put that in the game. They they stack with the cannons, but they don't use artillery fire. They use infantry fire type, even though they're 
they have to stack with the cannons. It's it's just cool. I like it. The yeah, map there's is a, beautiful. I love gorgeous it. map. Yep. Lots of good. The historical flavor, you know, it comes in through those victory conditions, through the special events, through having the machine. Like it's it's obviously very much there. Yeah. Um, but not, not just the look of the map either, but the the terrain is interesting, especially that one, the the area around the some of those ravines around the towns are an interesting puzzle to try to get your cav and your artillery across. It's easier for the infantry, but you you need the cav and the and the uh, cannons to cross as well. So lots of puzzles for movement, which I like. It's very easy to gum things up. Oh yeah. Which I found interesting because the terrain is very forgivable here in terms of line of sight, which there's there's a comment, right? This was like soft sloping hills. Mm-hmm. And when we're playing a greater or no, the scenario was called a greater victory. Um we're playing the South Mountain Blind Swords, which I'm forgetting the name of. Um that terrain is brutal. And yeah. it's sharp and there's all kinds of stuff. And yeah, here the it's one is like that too. You can't say anything on that map. You got woods all over the place. Yep. Here, you as long as there's not something in front of you, like woods or a town, terrain doesn't really affect line of sight, like it's soft enough slopes. And so that was that was a change of pace because my two other blind swords, Pea Ridge and South Mountain, have had brutal terrain. And this has been much easier to at least fire around, but yeah. you do have to like be very mindful of how you the order you move your troops and where people stop yeah i think it would be interesting like if herman was on or whatever to ask him um is the crt is it different because you wanted to do something different for this battle or did you evolve your game mechanics and then stuck with them over the civil war stuff you know what i mean because i think this was maybe the first blind swords game or definitely one of the first it was not the first okay um the first was stonewall swords i believe oh okay okay i want to say war ones the u.s civil war ones do have a different feel to them and a lot of it is because of the dice in the crt i agree and the uncertainty of your actions which is a big thing missing from here yeah um a greater victory is the game okay i am looking up the scale of that because i wonder if it's also a scale thing could be do do things fire different because of the scale yeah um also nothing dies here yeah it is hard to kill stuff <laughs> i mean it's it's actually literally impossible to completely right, kill right. it but even taking it off the map is hard yeah Let's if you see. if you manage to kill something well if you manage to take it off the map it goes into a units eliminated this turn Next turn, it goes for units available to rebuild. So <laughs> nothing is permanently dead. It's hard to remove stuff. But you can, you know, you can you can f- hold your ground, which is nice. Because on that first, that, that first day campaign that I played, I literally had like three cav and a couple cannons and a headquarters. And they were able to hold Mars Latour because it's hard to knock somebody out of a city. The Prussian artillery is amazing. And... You know, the, the the Prussian Cav had like seven or eight morale. And if you're rolling on a D10, you start putting minus one, minus twos on them. It hurts them, but they're still able to rally and come back. So, yep. Just a, a quick follow-up. I did check. 500 yards of hex here, 150 yards of hex in a greater oh, victory. Oh, yeah, big difference. So, yeah. I don't have major complaints. I touched on the two, kind of three big ones maybe. 
yeah, there's there's nothing I don't like about this game. I just I don't know. I've I've like I said, I get this game when it first came out. I've had it for a while. I play it uh, probably not once a year, but it's been out what five years now. I mean, I'm I'm sure I have ten plays of it. So you know, but I'll play it a couple times in a row, put it away for a while. I know I've taken this game day. I've played this in person a few times. I just I just like the game. I mean, it's it's one of those games that's like it's not. It doesn't blow me away with anything, but mm-hmm. it's just consistently good on everything. It's just always fun to play. I could see that. I I think it's a very solid all around game. Yeah. It's not like wh- now if maybe if this was my first blind sword, they'd be like, "Whoa, check this out." <laughs> um, I mean, another good thing about it, it's um, it does have some long scenarios on it, obviously, but it's a one mapper. And the short scenarios are fun battles to play. So yeah. you know, it's definitely something you can play on a game day. And here's the other thing. And this is just reality, right? There are people, understandably so, that never want to touch a U.S. Civil War game. So here's a great way to try out the system without, sure. like, if you're not into that. Or if you're like, well, I already have 10 Gettysburg's game. <laughs> Why do I need another one? Yeah. Well, here you go. Here's a Franco-Prussian War game that, you know, what else is out there? Yeah. Nothing I can think of. Yeah, no, there's if not much, the, and uh, probably not. If you want dollar store Napoleon, this is the way to go. Yeah, right. Hey, we finally played a Napoleonic game. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's the wrong Napoleon, <laughs> but sure. <laughs> uh, recommended reading. I really like the Walro book. It's recent. Um, I think it's like a 2010s publication. Um, that's the Franco-Prussian War, Jeffrey Walro. Did you read anything for this? I did not. Um, in the uh, in the notes, it recommends a book. I think it's called The Day of Battle. I uh-huh. looked for that at the bookstore, and I couldn't find it. I didn't order it online, but that one's recommended, but I haven't read it, so I can't say if it's good or not. Yeah, that's uh, A Day of Battle by David Ascoli. The other book I considered, I think, was this Michael Howard, The Franco-Prussian War book. I think that was one of the ones I had considered, but... Herman Lettman has a great article on GMT's website in the playbook. There's a great write up on the. Yeah, the playbook itself is excellent reading. I mean, it there's was, it, it was what, five six pages at least in there. It's good yeah. stuff. There's there's a good chunk, and there's also what I really liked about it is you have these five or six pages, whatever, are, and then you have all these these little breakout boxes. It's like here's kind of like how it applies to the game, or mm-hmm. here's a, like an interesting aside. All right, you know what time it is. Time to play a war game game? No, it's not. (laughs) But it's time for the list. What list? Folks, we have a list. I've never heard of of this. A list of every war game ever made. Appropriately named every war game ever list. And if you're just finding our episode, here's how it works. We take a game at any cost Mets, and we rank it against every other war game ever made that we've covered so far. But... The kicker is it's completely objective. Rich and I put on blindfolds. We start the clay wheel. And we just stick out our hands and, and see what shape the list takes. And that's what we're doing tonight uh, with At Any Cost Met. So we have 64 games on the list so far. U.S. Civil War at the top. Zeppelin Raider at the bottom. I'm going to tell you it's going to go somewhere in between those two. There we go. All right. I think where we need to start is Thunder in those arcs. Yeah, that was the obvious place because that's – is that the only Blind Swords game we have on here? So far, yep. Yeah. Uh, I I would probably put this below just because I like the Civil War stuff more, like just topically, right? Yeah, totally fair. But not I, too far below. I agree with that, yeah. I would put it above Battle Him. 
Yeah, like I said, and we'll get back to this, but I mean, Battle Hymn, the further I get away from it, the less I'm enamored with it, just because mm-hmm. I, I think Blind Swords has just kind of kicked Battle Hymn <laughs> off of my radar, you know? Yeah, it really has. I, so I yeah, I think it's that. totally fair, because even though this isn't a Civil War game, it is a Blind Swords game. Yeah, above Battle Hymn, I could see that. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of my next so the, here's And here we go, though. So right above Battle Hymn is Atlantic Chase, which... Like so, going back to what I said a couple minutes about this, this this game, there's nothing wrong with it at all. I don't have any negative thing to say about it, but it doesn't blow me away at either. Atlantic mm-hmm. Chase, I think, has that sort of it factor because it's so different. So yep. I, I would put Atlantic Chase above this one. Yeah, I agree. I think I think we have our slot. That's got to be like the fastest ranking ever. There we go. Nice. 21. So coming in at twenty first. At any cost, Mets 1870. But folks, do not go away yeah. because we have another game to talk about. If, if you hate the non-wargaming stuff, stick around a little longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, this comes from Kevin. So this is a patron pick from Kevin, one of our patrons. Uh, he wanted to hear us talk about the 1986 classic from... The Wargaming Powerhouse Design Team at Milton Bradley. That's right. It's Fortress America. It's a CSR winner. It is. 1986 CSR winner designed by Michael Gray. Uh, This setting-wise, it's... (laughs) This is like... I mean, this is like drug fueled at this point. (laughs) What if the entire rest of the world invades the United States? <laughs> right. Have you seen Red Dawn? Because that's the setting. Times three. But because what is interesting in this Because the Mexicans are invading, game. the Chinese are invading. <laughs> now, Rich, it's obviously been a while since you've watched Red Dawn because both the Cubans and Russians invade in Red Dawn. Uh, so, yeah, here you have obviously the Russians that aren't the Russians. You have the Asia sphere and you have the South America sphere invade the United States. And what's interesting, where they work together in Red Dawn, the 1984 cult classic, um, they do not work together here. They work together, but they can not work together in in this yeah, game. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and so, they're not, they cannot fight against each other, but they can also like block each other from supply lines and stuff like that. And you could play this two player. You can play this three-player, four-player, whatever. You can divide up those. So I played this solo, and then I also played a three-player game of it, which was, I will give it credit, the third player just dropped in as we started, and I was like, okay, here's how you play. It's <laughs> very light. Yeah. Um, there's, yeah, there's, it's not a whole lot of strategy and thinking. No. So this is one player playing the U.S. while well, they get invaded from the West, the East, and the South, um, and it's... Gosh, I don't know. There's technically there's three types of different units, and they inflict. What is cool is like infantry rolls one type of die, and yeah. the hover tanks roll a different type of die. And, and not and only it, do they roll a different kind of die, but they also you have to do the opposing losses based on who took the shot. As long yes. as you know, like infantry can't just like decide to take out the bombers first or whatever. <laughs> right, and so it's. Kind and like you do have bombers and helicopters, and then the U.S. gets partisans that pop up and lasers. And then here's, yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> and here's where it jumps the part. shark: uh, lasers every turn. You they get can one shoot laser anywhere. Turn. Yeah, and they just so like you obviously <laughs> want to put your first laser in Kansas City because it's gonna be hard to get to Kansas City. There's 
like resource locations that don't really matter. They kind of matter they for kind points of matter at the end. Right. But and then, then they matter for the partisan cards. So like partisans will pop yeah. up if the Russians leave spots ungarrisoned. And what's interesting, or I, I say Russians, I'm going to keep doing that. Enemies. There's three different people, whatever. You get know what I'm talking about. If invaders. I, I get invaders. That's yeah. better. The invaders never get reinforcements. And so their opening wave is their attack force. Yeah. And so it's kind of like this is a super light game. 12-year-old me, the first time I saw Red Dawn, whenever that was, would have loved this shit. Okay, so I'm glad you said that because in 1986, I was 13 years old. And my thought when I was playing with this is my 13-year-old self would have absolutely loved this game. Yeah, yeah. that's. And I never played this when I was a kid. I played Axis and Allies all the time, but I never played this one. Now, this is... I've never played Axis and Allies. This is above Axis and Allies in terms of, like, difficult... Not difficulty, but just, like, depth, right? With the different forces eh, and stuff? I don't know. I'd put Axis and Allies higher. Because Axis and okay. Allies, you, you actually... You get to spend production to buy new units as you see fit. Oh, okay. And then you can lose factories, which means you'll lose production. And Yeah, there's definitely more to Axis and Allies than there is in this one. Okay. Yeah, so, but this is, like, the bad guys, invaders, they storm on, and then, really, it's a, can they knock America out before America starts building up its strength, Mm -hmm. getting more and more reinforcements, and getting more and more lasers coming online? (laughs) (laughs) The lasers (laughs) always just cracks me up, because the lasers can literally, like, you can have one in Minnesota, and it can can shoot into Mexico. It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. Did know. you play this on Vassal by any chance? <laughs> yeah, that's the only way I could play it. I, I wish I could play this on the table because I think it'd be even more fun with the little plastic minis. Oh, oh, you know it would be. Yeah. But uh, did you play with your sound on? No. Oh, so every time you fire a laser on the Vassal module, it makes an amazing laser sound. <laughs> I didn't sound. even notice that. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Um, it's pretty bad. In like in the grand scheme of things, I mean, like it's super awesome, but it's not <laughs> atrocious either. It is Let's, what it is. It's it's right. not trying to be. It's right. not trying. It's, it's it does not take itself seriously. It's just it's just a goofy little fun game. Yeah, I do like that it could play four players. I would never track down a copy of this, but yeah. if someone and did, like at actually, a con, wasn't there a new release in like 2012 or something like that? Yeah, I don't think it's very good. There's a Fantasy Flight version. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. But the funny... I don't remember ever seeing this in a store. Like, Oh, no. Even... Mm. I mean, if it's Fantasy Flight, you think Miniature Market would have it on the shelf, but I don't think they do. Yeah, 2012. Um, yeah, I never saw this. In, yeah. in 2012, I was going to Tabletop at their old location, a, a decent amount. I don't recall seeing yeah. this. I mean, if, if I was at Goodwill and I found this thing for five or 10 bucks, I'd get it. I would. I Okay. I agree with you <laughs> just to have it. Yeah. And it would be fun if like my kids ever had an interest in playing war games. This would probably be pretty awesome. <laughs> it is, it is beyond, you know, a step above risk, that type of thing. Yep. Yeah, I would put it like, yeah, that's a good, it, it's between risk and access and allies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the U.S. kind of t- 
takes it in the teeth. But what did happen in like our three player game is I think you really have to consolidate as the invaders because it was not long before America was roaring back and destroying everything. Yeah. And I I laugh about the lasers, but I mean, they're super effective because you can use them anywhere you want to on you just roll a die. I don't remember what the die roll is, but they're they're probably going to just destroy a unit every turn. I guess there are some like strategy decisions to be made too, because it's like when you lose a city, you get a new partisan card. So yeah, which just gives America. So if they if you take a city, you're helping America build back. I don't. Right. I don't know. <laughs> Fortress of America. You have anything to say about it other than that? No, I mean I've I've said what, what I need to say. Thirteen year old me would yeah. have loved it. It's not as good as Axis and Allies. And I would I would pay five or ten bucks for it. <laughs> I think that's a good summary. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I so here's the deal. I think people who did play this in 1986 or early 90s or whenever, whenever they played it, when they played it at a younger age or I don't know, I think they have nostalgia for it, mm-hmm. and it's hard to get that nostalgia now. Like I can see why people loved it and ate this up. Yeah, but okay it's nostalgia yeah which is another reason they've re-released it in 2012 i mean it's like and this is another one i haven't played but when they re-released dark tower a few years ago everybody got bought it but i i I don't think it's from what i've heard it's not a great game it's just nostalgia it looks cool on the table yeah and this this will look cool on the table yeah uh recommended reading you just watch red dawn (laughs) yeah there you go that's all you do. The original, please. Wolverines. <laughs> please do not watch the remake. Oh, man. Talk about when you were a kid, movies that messed you up. When they had to shoot their friend. Oh my gosh. Because he had the Russian bug in his stomach. Man, yeah. that's hard that... for a kid to watch. <laughs> when, you know when they pop out of the fields and they're like, they had like the grass coverings over the. Oh yeah. So we found some like corrugated tin out in this field and I'm not making this up. And I had recently watched Wolverines Yeah. and I tried to make like a booby trap thing, like with like putting grass on that tin and tried to make my own little pop out hole when they like are running through the fields and they pop out and mow down the Russians. Nice. Not nearly as cool or effective and probably didn't get that far on the project. All right, let's, let's rank it. Goes on the list. Uh, Kevin. It's Thank you very Zeppelin much Raider. for a great pick. It is better than Zeppelin Raider. Okay, here's where it really probably goes for me is you did play Titan, right? Yes. And okay. that, that's about where I, yeah, I think we're in the same area. Yeah. Titan is such an interesting concept where you the, breaking out into this arena so, is really cool. And that actually, that's a fascinating comparison. Titan tries hard and fails. This game does not try at all. <laughs> and maybe succeeds. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> if I was playing two player and someone said, do you want, I don't know. Like, also it depends. Like if I, this plays so if fast. If someone gave me the choice of this game or Titan, I'd take Fortress America. Okay. What about Ottoman Sunset? That's a solitaire game. So that's yeah. Do you want to play a solitaire game or do you want to play Fortress America? I think I'd probably play out of the sunset. There it is. All right. Number 63. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to argue too much between Titan and Fortress America. Um, I think you're 
analysis is very appropriate. <laughs> Titan f- tries very hard, and Fortress America doesn't. And Fortress America pulls it off. Yeah. I mean, this is, in terms of fun, like everything else we just talked about last week. But also, Fortress America, uh, Ottoman Sunset's a lot of fun, too. So Yeah, it is. I mean, I played it... Um... I don't know, a dozen times or so, and it just sort of lost its luster for me because I'd played it too many times, but I enjoyed it while I was playing it. Fortress America is the fortress of the bottom of the list (laughs) because after Fortress America, there is a very big drop-off with the last three. (laughs) Uh, Kevin, thank you so much for the excellent recommendation, and that's as good a time as any to plug our Patreon. But before we do that, I'll give a shout-out to the featured patron this month, and that's Hector Reyes. Hector, thanks for being a patron. Hector is who I played the, speaking of Atlantic Chase earlier, uh, the campaign of Atlantic Chase, which we desperately need to get back to, and was excellent. So Kevin supported the show. He got to pick a game that we feature. He did that by going to patreon.com slash history table, becoming a patron. You can do the same thing if you want to support the show and you get to vote on each month's game. Each month has an asterisk. Sometimes we'll use host fiat and decide what we want to play, but you'll have your choice between like five, six, seven, eight games, whatever we come up with. But two of them we're going to talk about right now. I'll start. I'm going to put forward desert victory, North Africa, 1940 to 1942. This is the C3I game that just came out that I know we both have. Oh, yeah, excellent. I, I knew uh, I'd seen it somewhere and I couldn't remember where. Yeah. Yeah, this is Trevor Bender's follow-up to the Kursk game that came out that was very well regarded. I wanted to play the Kursk game but never got a chance to. And so, yeah, this. other than that, I actually don't know much about this game other than I want to play it. Yeah, sounds good. Um, I, as you can tell my, from my reading, I'm on an ancients kick. So I wanted to play something ancients. I actually thought about just saying any ancients game at all, but that didn't seem like it was fair. And then I thought, well, I really want to play SPQR, but that's already on the list. So, um, I'm going to put successors on there because that is a a fun little game that I have played on the table before with a group of people. It's sort of a negotiation game. It's, Eh, maybe borderline war game, but it's just a fun game that is not very heavy, but it, it's fun to play. And I thought that'd be interesting to see where that would show up on the list. Awesome. I like it. I will say that if you, if you do want more great battles of history, Julius Caesar is also an option, but I like yeah, this. I really, I, I was eyeing that at miniature mark and I, I might pick that up this week. Oh, very good. Yeah. Uh, I assume you mean the 2022 fourth edition. You talking about successors? Uh huh. Um, you know, I'm not sure what the differences are. I don't have the new version. Okay. I'm not sure which version I have, but I don't the know. The new version looks very shiny. Yeah. I it, like the original art or the third edition art way more. Yeah. I can't remember oh. which version I have, but I mean, we had fun when I played it. It was a, it was a good game day game. Sweet. Okay. So that'll, that poll will be up for, I'll try to time it. Last time the results were in before I got the episode out. I'll not make the same mistake then. I'll put the poll up as soon as the episode drops. And then you'll have a few days to go and vote and pick our game for March. Excellent. Okay, we have a listener question. Before we this talk about our most serious time in the show, when we get to our listener questions. Uh, ultra, <laughs> ultra serious. This is, folks. All right, Art had a great one. And I'll, I'll clean up the language, but we're all familiar with the, the Mary Kill 
screw game. <laughs> Clean up the language here a little bit. And Art had a good one. One that I, I, I like. Uh, it's a simple game, but I think the choices are interesting. I'm going to change my options a little bit. You can do the same, but Art said, Mary Screw or Kill, OCS, BCS, SES. Operational Combat Series, Battalion Combat Series, Standard Combat Series. I've not played Standard Combat Series. I've read the rules to it. I'm going to swap in. I'm going to do another Dean Essig, and I'm going to swap in Line of Battle. Just because oh, okay. I've, I've played more line of battle. I'm going to keep SCS in line. So. Okay. You want to go first or second? Uh, are we going to do them all at the same time or are we, how are we going to do it? Okay. Who would you marry? We'll both, we'll just do yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, I would marry OCS. Okay. OCS just because of the depth. Is, yeah. Depth, long run, nice lifelong commitment. I would marry line of battle. Interesting. Just again because of the depth and like length of playing them all um mm-hmm. the full battle scenarios especially in gettysburg and antietam are massive and that would be a cool deal so sorry Catherine. hello line <laughs> of battle all right uh who'd you screw oh bcs bcs is the new sexy yeah i i actually agree with you 100 uh, <laughs> bcs which leaves who we're killing off. Yeah, interesting. So I would kill off SCS. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with never playing another SCS game. The only one that I've ever played that I actually enjoyed was Heights of Courage. Um, I actually have the um, the the Cold War one, but I haven't played it yet. So, But for the most part, SCS just sort of leaves me flat. Okay. I'm going to kill OCS. Interesting. Not for any knock on the look. Go listen to Korea. I love OCS, but <laughs> it's had its time in the sun. <laughs> I recently purged some OCS titles. I know what I like in an OCS game. I'm not a big East Front guy, and like the last three titles have been East Front titles. And now isn't get over there it. is a finished one coming out soon though, isn't there? That's not. That's how dare you. That's different. <laughs> I'll kill it after. And that's, I think that's a ways off, but I'll kill it after the Finland game comes out. Yeah. You know what? It's just like OCS is great. It's old tried and true, mm-hmm. but I'm going to step out on it and try a little BCS. So that's why that's that choice. And then line of battles, one of my favorite series that I desperately need to get back to. Nice. Thank you, Art. Fun. I love it. Yeah, great question, Art. We should do that <laughs> yeah, with other everyone, related things. Everyone, we we really do love these off the wall questions. Keep them coming. Yeah, we had it. We had a good amount of them. I just I pick, I only picked one just because I know we saw more to talk about. Yeah. Okay, folks. We do this every year. We do our most anticipated games of the year. And Rich, you sent me a message a few days ago, <laughs> and you said, and I'm I'm paraphrasing that. You didn't know if there's anything you're looking forward to this year. Yeah. I mean, I was having a hard time coming up with six. The the, the one that's going to end be my number one was super obvious for me. But the rest of them, I was like, what's coming out this year? There's nothing that I'm really thinking about too much. And then I started just looking at like, you know, I've started visiting like the, uh, the publisher's websites and looked at BGG a little bit. Like, oh, yeah, there's some stuff out here that was not necessarily right at the front of my radar but things that i was looking forward to yeah. so so now, yeah I, back, ended up, I think i like came back a good day after that i said okay i've got it Darum down to 13 now so <laughs> i sent you back out there because when i look at 2023 and i and i looked you're gonna hear some repeats last year i really tried to make my list on things that i was more or less certain were coming out this year 
Um, so there's going to be some repeats <laughs> of stuff. And I cut off things that I was uncertain of. With that being said, I had a hard time narrowing it down to six. I think 2023 is going to be an absolute fantastic year for historical games. There are some, there's good stuff from every publisher on the radar. And I'm looking at Rich's options he's got now, and I'm mad that I completely forgot one of them, even though I have it on pre order. Yeah. And you have one we'll talk about that eh, I'm not sure that one's coming out this year. So I d- didn't make my list, but let's jump into it. Okay. Here we go. Number six. Uh, so I went with the Mark Simonich title. It's not Zoc Bond exactly, but it's Zoc Bond adjacent, and that's North Africa 41. Yeah, it's Mark Simonich going to World War II North Africa. Yeah. I'm super excited for it. Cool. Yeah, for me, number six, and this is funny because I always make fun of you for putting it on here, but maybe Battle Hymn Volume 2 is going to come out this year. And, sure. And like I've said, I've even said it earlier this episode, the further I get away from Battle Hymn, the, the less enamored I am with it. But if Battle Hymn Shiloh comes out, I'm going to be all over it. So we'll see. So here's I made a tweet before we recorded. <laughs> they say it's coming out this year, but they have said that for, what, three years now? Yeah. Has anyone actually talked to Eric Lee Smith? Because one time they said it was coming out and Eric Lee Smith was like, I have no idea what they're talking about. Um, I did not feel the need to throw in Battle Him without confidence this year because there's so much good stuff coming out. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I looked over five. my list, though, and it, and if it comes out this year, it deserves to be on my list. But that's a big if. Fair. Number five. Plantagenet. Yeah, so actually, this is the one. Is that one coming out this year? Because I didn't think it was. Yeah, so I just did a double check. Okay. And that is going to the printer later this month. Okay, excellent. So that one probably should have made my list. That probably should have been my sixth then, but that's good enough. I've got a P500 it, so. Yeah, this is one of the Levian campaign games I'm looking forward to the most, uh, Plantagenet. There is a Henry game, but like Henry is a very small Levian campaign game. Not as excited about that one. Uh, so yeah, Plantagenet should be awesome. Yeah, so next one on my list is a game by oh. Histogame. It's called Triumph Amarengo. And you've talked about this one. I'm sure this is one that you forgot about or whatever, because this one looks really interesting to me. It's got the, uh, like the you know, the, the bars, like, like in that game that we played with the, the Gettysburg game I played with Don or like in, uh, you know, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It's got, it's just, it looks like an interesting game. It's a Napoleonic game. Um, and just looks really interesting to me. So when that comes out, that would be at the top of my list to take a second look at. Yeah. Um, props to Histo game. They've changed different sources for their components with everything that's been going on in Ukraine and countries that, that back Russia. So I know that was probably a sting to their finances to yeah. delay this. Um, also worth noting, at least as far as Histogame indicates, probably the last board game we'll see from Bowen Simmons. And there's a lot of, like, Napoleon's Triumph and just a lot of games from Bowen Simmons that I want to own and I don't own. The only game I own is Guns of Gettysburg, which I desperately want to play. So I'm mad that I just – I completely forgot about this one because it was a – in my mind, it's a 2022 release, even though obviously we didn't get it. Um, this would probably be number two if I hadn't forgotten it. All right. Number four. You have 
coming up later, so I'll just save it, which I know we don't normally do, but we're going to talk about it at the same time, so you go ahead. That's fine. Uh, my number four is Purple Haze by Phalanx Games. Yeah. Um, this one looks really interesting to me. It's a it's a Vietnam game. It looks like it's got some storytelling elements, maybe like a little bit of a campaign thing in there. Kind of, from the description I've read, it kind of looks like an updated version of the old Ambush game. So that one looks interesting to me. Very good. Yeah, I'm going to keep a close eye on that one. I read in their February update they're doing something with Tunnel Rats. Uh, I read this um, Tunnel Rats book that my grandpa recommended a few years ago, and it was what those guys did was insane. And so having that present in the game uh, was very interesting. So I'm keeping a close eye on that. I did not back it on GameFound or anything like that. Yeah. All right, number three. I think this was on my list last year. This is Prelude to Revolution. This is coming out from Compass anytime. They, I know it's coming out because they just did their Kickstarter, their like four-day Kickstarter where they tried to get more more sales. Uh, yeah, this covers the Russian Revolution, kind of the build-up to it. There's all these different tracks. You're manip- manipulating cubes. We've heard our buddy Don talk about this a number of times. I've looked forward to it since I saw a video, I think, from Ardwolf back at a Compass Expo where he first saw this. Uh, really looking forward to this one. Which is rare. I, you know, kind of hesitant on Compass sometimes, but this one still look forward to. Uh, Three for me is Grand Herrick Havoc Perryville, um, which (laughs) is a Blind Swords game. If if, you know, may not have heard of the game, but there's going to be a Blind Swords Perryville game coming out, and anything Blind Swords is going to be on my radar. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, I also just as a side note, I think we have real Napoleonics blind swords potentially coming out this year as well i don't know if it's nice. 2023 but they talked about that yeah yeah that would be moving blind swords back you know 50 years so be interesting to see not that sure. that surprises me but it they've they've been in a pretty narrow time period so far yeah absolutely uh my number two is later on your list so let's talk about my earlier number four and your number two sure it's border reavers border reavers yeah which I mean, for me, honestly, it's 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 a new Ed Beach game, so yep. it's definitely on the radar. Looks interesting. Um, I don't. It's hard to say what you know. I haven't seen like any videos on it or anything. I've just read the description on it, but I'm not sure. So the immediate comparison is going to be here. I stand, and I'm sure there's going to be at least a little bit of that in there. But um, I think it's going to be pretty different from that as well. So. I'm just looking forward to seeing what he's going to come out with. And uh, if, unless, unless something weird happens, this will be one that I pick up. Yeah, this is, so it's three Scottish clans, three English clans. Um, I, I don't know if it's one to six players, but it's up to six players. I don't know if it has solo mode and you're trying to make your clan the most influential. And so it's multiplayer at beach. Um, yeah, no brainer for me. Yep. All right, my number one, finally, <laughs> finally, we are getting Winner's Victory from New England Simulations. This was supposed to be their 2022 release, but they put a bunch of work into their games. And the only time I go to Consum World forums is to check on the status of Winner's Victory. And I know that they were putting a lot of work to make sure this was a final product. So this is Napoleonic's game. And it seems to, from what I've seen, have some similarities to GCACW. It has beautiful looking map and components and kind of like um, just like displays for tracking your units. That will come out in June or July, and I cannot wait for this game. Yeah, New England Simulations is great. Um, 
and I'm sure it's going to be wonderful. I don't know that I'll pick this one up, but we'll see. I yep. can I can be talked into it. <laughs> <laughs> sure. All right, number one. Yeah, number your one number on my one, list, my number two, which was two on your list, is on to Richmond two. So this is great campaigns in the American Civil War. This is another one of their kind of like Road to Gettysburg two, where they deluxified and combined some older modules, and it's all coming out together. There's going to be new maps. It's going to be updated everything, and I, I mean, I fully expect this one to be kind of like Pacific War was for me last year, where when I get it, it's going to stay on my table for a long time. Yeah, I've got a series of books, the Raya books, lined up, ready to go as soon as this thing is closer on the horizon. Nice. This was on my list last year, and but now we have confirmation that this will be a 2023 release from MMP. Yep. Cannot wait. wait. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's the top two for me, and then really if you throw Triumph on Marengo on there, those three are like clear, no-brainers, cannot wait. Everything falling in behind it. Plantagenet, I'm really excited for as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but those three are like, holy smokes, can't wait. Yeah. Sweet. I did not put this on the list. And so chew on this, and I'll follow it back with you. Talking about Border Reavers mm-hmm. harkens back to a conversation that came up in the Dads on a Map Discord server, which was, are there any series or games out there that are by sight unseen? And... I followed up with, it used to be GCACW. Hood Strikes North kind of, it didn't sour me on the series by any means, but it, it made me realize I don't have to own every GCACW game. Yeah. Um, obviously, I still love GCACW. I'm getting on to Richmond too, yada, yada, yada. So then I think that just left multiplayer Ed Beach games. Which Ed Beach also did work on GCACW, so like, yeah. is it? And I don't think he's involved with Hood Strikes North, so is it just Ed Beach games are by side unseen for me? Uh, because I mean, next war. Okay, now when I'll be honest, when Iran was very first announced, yeah, I was like, do I need Iran? But then since learning more about that, I have yes, obviously I want and need Iran, and I very much appreciate the fact that Mitch has said an important thing to do when you're doing a series like this is to keep adding innovation. So you're not just doing the same thing over and over again. So I know and have read about the changes in Iran and the fact that you have the allies on the offensive. We've talked about it. That's super interesting, but that wasn't sight unseen. I pre-ordered border reavers. The second it was announced without reading any of the details. Yeah. Interesting. So do you have other than next word? Do you have any others? I, I'm not sure I do because even even my favorites, you know, BCS, I, I, I don't know. It seems like a lot of these big series and they're really ramping up their production. They're producing more things faster. So how many things are in the BCSQ right now? How many things are OCSQ? Even ASL, which used to be like, if something comes up, you have to get it. Otherwise you won't see it again for five or 10 years or whatever. Mm -hmm. ASL's got so much stuff coming out now that, I would love to have it all, but I just can't. So even like new historical modules that are like, yeah, that looks really cool, but I just, I can't get everything. So I'm getting further and further away from having to have everything. But like you said, a multiplayer at beach game, that's not, it's not like he's just cranking out stuff in a series. That's going to be something new from a proven guy. So I can see why that you would say, yeah, I'm buying it. Yeah, and I think your response is there's not a right answer here. People are going to buy what they want to buy. I think that's 
broadly speaking, the best response. I think where we are in the hobby, just in the general physical gaming hobby, whether you're talking about magic or board games or war games, doesn't really matter. With so much stuff coming out and so much stuff demanding your attention, you're absolutely right. But I did think it was like an interesting exercise because my first answer, my gut answer was, no, that's ridiculous. I'm going to wait. I've been burned too many times before. But then it's like, well, damn, GCACW is pretty damn close. Line of battle depends on the topic. Yeah. OCS depends on the topic. BCS, you know, I go down the list. It Mm -hmm. all depends on the topic. Seminich is close, but I didn't get successors you know, so like even everything Mark Simonich works on, right? Real close, but not everything. You yeah, know? and I'm not a hundred percent sure I'll get North Africa 41. I'll keep an eye on it. We'll see, um, mm-hmm. but we'll see. Anyways, I just thought that was a fun a fun topic, and you know, apply that to to war games and and if any of those coming out. Oh yeah, yeah, cool. All right, folks. The last we have one other war game related topic, and then you can. Keep listening for all the other nonsense or, or turn the podcast off. You do what you want to do. We have a couple other games we're going to talk about that we played, that type of thing. Uh, so we had a GMT monthly update. We had a Phalanx update. I don't want to run through them, but did you have anything pop out from those that you're like, oh, look at that. I need to get that. No, when the GMT update come out came out, you know, the first thing I always do is look at um, what the new P500s are. So, I mean, sure. the first thing I clicked on was order an opportunity and then i read the description uh-huh. i'm like oh no that's all right <laughs> yeah it I'm just didn't keep look cl- that interesting to me i mean it's kind of a cold war game it, it it could turn out to be an interesting um negotiation game but yep. it didn't jump out at me as something i was going to jump on i'm going to keep a very close eye on it um i'm very much enjoying my plays of all bridges burning and this is from vp VPJ Arpinen, okay, who is the designer behind that. So, typically not my cup of tea, something like this. Um, but Flashpoint South China Sea also was the same thing, and that really surprised me. So, I'll keep a closer eye on this one. The Combat Commander, I thought that package was awesome. The the like Master Edition. Yeah, I'm not gonna get Combat Commander. I just thought it was a cool. There's a couple things coming up for Combat Commander. I think. Yeah, yeah. There's two co- combat commander back, P500s yeah. and then the order and opportunity and amount of map. Yeah. From the like teasers, the only thing that jumped out at me was there was a post 1970s operational game set in Europe. So my thought was post 1970s, you're not saying the 80s exclusively, but are, are you talking Cold War goes hot or are you talking something like Bosnia? Uh, I don't I was I wonder what they're teasing there. It could be something interesting. Yeah. And then I'm not good just at re- guessing games, so. Oh yeah, well, no, I don't know if I've ever been right, but on the Phalanx side, nothing. They they provided a bunch of updates on stuff. Have you played Tigers and Euphrates? On BGA, I can't remember. Yeah, I played it once, and okay. it didn't click. Okay, I, I didn't hate it, but it just didn't really click. So this this won't apply to you, but there was a follow up called Yellow and Yangtze, which is what I own. I don't have Tigers and Euphrates. I'd love to have it. It's a fantastic game that I like. Phalanx is doing a follow up to that called. Um, no, I don't remember what it's called. Huang, H U A N G is what it's called, and so it 
is basically Yellow and Yangtze with a few things added in, and that's a game related to Tigus and Euphrates, if you follow all that. Um, I'm going to keep an eye on it. I own Yellow and Yangtze. I wish I owned Tigus and Euphrates. I don't know if this is going to scratch the same itch. I just thought it was interesting that they have, I don't know, that doesn't really necessarily jump out as a Phalanx title, but uh, good for them. That's going on Game Found. Sure. Okay. We have some games to talk about. They're not war games. War game talk is more or less done, unless you want to talk about how magic is war, but we'll get to that. <laughs> I played Greenland. Uh, this is a Phil Eklund game where you're representing a tribe in Greenland, and you go out and hunt and try to gather resources. What do you think of this? It was interesting. I actually looked for it at Miniature Market just because it's a small game, and I thought the family would like it. They didn't have it, so... Um, but I thought I thought if if I could find that for twenty bucks or something, that'd probably be a good pickup for the family. Yeah, I like this a lot. I think yeah, you destroyed us. Yeah, I think we again had a very forgiving and generous opening, meaning we didn't have like we were able to hunt uh, quite effectively. I do worry about, and this isn't that much of a concern for me most times, I do worry about the depth. Like, how many games does Greenland have inside of it? It feels like it's very fun, but I don't know how many times I would play it. Um, It's very heavy on iconography, which once you have it down, the icons all make sense, but it is a little bit, that's like the initial hurdle is just getting all the icons knocked out. That kind of just rewards playing it more, though. Yeah, yeah, I just, like, once you see it pull its levers, I don't know, like, I keep going back. Am I going to get, because my local game store does have a copy. I'm like, yeah, we were I don't know. all basically learning the game. So um, I could see, yes, I, I agree that it might not be a game you want to play a dozen times. But I think after two or three times, I think it would probably really hit its stride and it'd be more fun. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. All right, we also played Kremlin, uh, which was insanely fun. Have you ever played that one before? No, that was okay. my first play of it. It was it's such a wild game. And basically you influence individuals as they move through the uh, Soviet Politburo, and they'll die, and they'll go away for a little bit, and they'll come back, and the people you least expect will be appointed to positions that become extremely important. Mm-hmm. And all you try to get to do is to get the, the top head honcho to wave at you three times, and that's how you win. Yep. Uh, this is amazing. It's so light. It's so fun. It, it's ridiculous. It is as every bit as serious as Fortress America. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually, I really like this. It was it's so awesome. much fun. Yeah. It's only the second time I played it, but both times I played it, we had an absolute blast. Oh, it's, it's so cutthroat too. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So I wanted to just bring up Commander uh, Magic again, because I know you had played before the lake, but then we played a few games at the lake. Uh-huh. What I just just curious, like obviously I I love Commander. It's my favorite format for playing Magic. I try to play as often as I can. What did you think? Um, so it it was definitely fun. Nothing against it at all. I will say that while it's fun, have it trying out new decks. I think it's going to be more fun if you know what's in the deck. Because like literally every time I play Commander, it's the first time I've ever played that deck. And every time I pull another card, I'm like. Oh, I didn't know I had this card. What does this yeah. do? So I think it gets to be more fun when you know your deck a little bit, but it was still a blast. Yeah, plus there's like nuances like why is this deck even in this card? Right. Where if it's like a crazy 
I don't know, jank strategy that's trying to do something very specific. And you're yeah. like, why is this? Which I had one the one time he played. And you even like tried to explain it to me. Like, yeah, you need to be doing this with that deck. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So another thing, I recently put together a, a Canadian Highlander deck to play with our buddy Matt. Um, he's responsible for this. So this is 100-card singleton format. Okay. You don't have a commander. It's more or less brawl on arena, um, but it doesn't have as strict a ban list. And you kind of have like, okay, so if you take like the original power nine, you can play with them, but you only have 10 points. And the like busted cards in magic are signed points. So XYZ card might be seven of your 10 points if you really want to put in your deck. Um, so 100 cards, 20 life, 1v1, which is nice. Um, and I think we're going to try to knock some some games out of that. Um, anyways, that's Canadian Highlander. Looking forward to playing that. Cool. All right. Have you been reading anything uh, interesting? Yeah, my wife and I started reading this book called uh, Area X. Okay. Which I think that's the trilogy's name. I think the first book is called Annihilation. Oh, oh, this is the Annihilation series? Yes, oh, I yes. thought that was called something else. What's that? I thought this was called something else. I think the name of the trilogy is Area X, and I think oh. the first book is called Annihilation. So Annihilation is the first book, and I love is, it. Okay, I thought I'd heard about it from you, but I couldn't remember who I'd heard it yes. from. So. Yeah. Yeah, we're liking it so far. It's it's just it's just weird and you know slightly creepy and it's like um, it's it's definitely got a lost feel to it. Uh-huh. The TV show and yeah, it's good. I mean, we're we're enjoying it. We're it's it's got us you know on the edge of our seats trying to figure out what the hell's going on and I like it. Southern Reach is what that okay. trilogy is called. Okay, got the it. area is called Area X. Yeah. Um, I love the atmosphere and like, are you getting? It's not explicitly uh, Lovecraftian or Cthulhu horror, but like I get those vibes. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, sure, yeah. It's yeah, it's. I think, like I said, Lost is like the main thing that comes to mind. But mm-hmm. yeah, there's there's stuff going on that they can't explain. So. Yep. Yep. Oh, so good. Yeah. Love it. And awesome. I'm glad you're crazy, that. and this place drives people crazy, and. And every people are being lied to about what's really going on. So yes. yeah, it's all good stuff. Very good. All right. Anything else off the table you want to talk about? <sighs> no, I think that's it. Awesome. All right. How about you? No, no. Um, reorganizing the game shelves. Yeah. Making sure everything fits. Um, I've primarily my reading has been. I read some other like murder mystery thing. It was fine. I don't need to talk about it. And then that. Prussian War, so and then playing, uh, playing Magic. Matt and I got a spell table game in with some some other people from another Discord server. That was a ton of fun. Yeah, just hanging out with the kids. Nice. Getting back to uh, getting back to working out and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, yeah. I think I'm gonna get to play Twilight Imperium next month. So I'm looking forward. Hey, to that. good. Yeah. Very good. I think that's gonna go in the purge pile for me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a bear, and it you it's it's hard to get people to commit to it, but I love it. Yeah, and I know some people that have a copy, right? But sure. since getting the new edition, I've not played it. So yeah, I get it. Yep, I would love to, but it's just it takes up a lot of space. <laughs> sure does. Yeah, even more so. I mean the the with the expansion, you can play up to eight players, which I can't even imagine that. I mean six. I love playing with six. I don't. I don't know that I don't want to add two players to that mix. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. 
Well, that's going to do it for us, folks. Again, thank you for – I kind of lost where how we normally close, uh, but I'm picking it back up. Uh, if you want to hang out with us, you can join our Discord. There's a link down in the show notes, or you can – people have sent a message and said, hey, how do we get on the Discord? Just send me a message. We'll get you in there. Uh, come hang out. Make sure you introduce yourself. Tell us what, what you're playing, what your favorite games are, all that kind of thing. Uh, I'm still on Twitter. You can follow me at HistoryTablePod. Anything else, Rich? Uh, no, just find me on Discord. But yeah, definitely join us there. And, you know, people are always looking for games. And you can look for games, too. Play with us, play with other people. Lots of uh, lots of matchmaking going on. That's right. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us. Have a good one. Good night, everyone. <laughs>